Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Scene Podcast. Welcome, first time listeners, to the Two Scene Podcast, a podcast where two aspiring sports journalists sit down and talk baseball. I am your host, Tyler Foy, and alongside me today is my wonderful co host, mm. Nathan Lannon. Nate, we are back. We're back. We're back. We're finally back after a long hiatus. And oh my gosh, we have so much to talk about. We have missed out on the biggest moments of the season. We have missed (laughs) out on the most intriguing moments of the season. But what we didn't miss out on is the most exciting month of the season, which is September. We're here. We're already in September. I feel like the season's just kind of flown by. I mean, with the summer too. But it feels like it's been, like, it feels like just yesterday I was saying to myself, oh, it's only May, Lindor will be fine, the Mets will be fine, you know? And uh, we're in September and they're sub-500. It's not looking great for the Mets, <laughs> but today isn't yeah. about the Mets. Today right. is about the American League. That is what we're going to be discussing in today's podcast episode. We want to go in depth and talk about most teams in the American League, what has happened, a little recap on the most important moments, and who's hot, who's not, and what do we think going into September for each division. And I think the best place to start with, with our synopsis on the American League, is the American League East, where the league-leading record of 84-50 to losses, the Rays, are leading the division, following by the Yankees with 6.5 games out, the Red Sox in third place with 8 games out, the Blue Jays, who are 13 games out of first place, and the Orioles with an abysmal 42 games (laughs) out of first place. 42 games out. But no, I do remember a certain somebody saying that uh, you shouldn't worry about the Rays just because they lost Blake Snell and, you know, other significant pieces because they are a machine. And lo and behold, they're 84 and 50. I think the general um, (laughs) consensus with the Rays is that they're an operation that works but never makes sense. Yeah. We don't have to understand their moves because they don't care. They're just going to... They they know some inefficiency, some kind of uh, weakness to exploit in the league that where they can just keep building these good teams, even if their moves don't make sense to us. Like trading for Blake trading away Blake Snell didn't make that much sense to us. Like sense to us when it happened. It's like you're gonna need him if you want to make another World Series run. You're gonna need that extra ace, but you know, here they are, six and a half games above the second place team in their division. It's just something that I we there are people that have talked about how the Cleveland Indians is a pitching factory. <laughs> but the most underrated pitching factory is the Tampa Bay Rays. It feels like every single arm they bring up, it feels like they could just trade somebody away, they can cut someone, and they always have somebody to back themselves up from the minor leagues, and it's just something that their club culture is. It's building a farm system that is going to be the, um, generational. Right. If there's any, If there's anything with the Tampa Bay Rays that, that you could summarize them with, it's next man up. I feel like that's the biggest mentality in their clubhouse or the most present mentality because they've had injuries, they've had trades, they've had losses, but every time they do and every time we think they're down and out or at least they're going to cool off a bit, someone steps up and fills that hole perfectly. Right. 
And imagine if this ball club actually had the market or the, you know, the budget right. to kind of sign bigger players in free agency, which they don't really ever do. Yeah. If they had more of a budget, more money to play with, more money to spend, I feel like they could, they would, I mean, they're already the best team in baseball or one of the best teams in baseball, if you want to argue someone else. But if they had that budget, it, it, I don't think it'd be close. They'd just be far and away the best team in baseball, I feel like. It's just the most unexpected turn for me <laughs> watching this division grow. And and because you have a team that does have a budget, like the Yankees. You have a team that does have money to spend, like the Red Sox. The Blue Jays are also growing as a you know organization, building up their farm system. They're seeing a lot of people come out and perform at the major league level that have been in their system for a while now. Some are even MVP candidates. But then you have like the Orioles, which are... We don't talk about the Orioles. We don't need to talk about the Orioles. They've just done some historic losing. I think their... What was their run differentials? Like negative 234. Yeah, I think that's exactly what their (laughs) run differential was. So they're going to be finishing in a very low position trying to get a nice draft pick. And keep building up their farm system as their rebuild. You can't forget about the Orioles, though. I mean, there was a time period where they were, you know, they they were making postseasons. How did how did they like deal with the Red Sox at the beginning of the season? Like when we went, like looking back, how did that team? I think they took two or three. I think I I resulted to one you being there. (laughs) You were with me. I'm I'm the the I'm the anti Sox bad luck charm. Yeah. And as well as it, it was just freezing cold and the players weren't ready to play or play in the cold. Yeah. But that is a story for when we get to October. And if they're in October, mm. weather's not going to be as nice. So, right. But the Orioles, they did sweep the Red Sox to begin the year. But I want to go back and we did touch on the Rays and how they're a machine and how they're just running away with this division. But I think the inner battles for second place in this division is actually way more interesting. The team that does have the budget, the team that does go out and spend, the team that went out for it at the trade deadline, the New York Yankees find themselves second place after having a somewhat unexpected, well, a very unexpected start to their season, um, even through the middle parts of the season, but an absolute resurgence of life for the New York Yankees. They just, I think they had probably the best August in the entire league. Because I remember, at, like around the deadline, like early July, I was thinking, "Oh God, the Yankees are still like kind of middling. They like it's time to if I'm that like I was thinking if I'm them, it's time to hit the panic button. It's time to make some moves. And I mean that's exactly what they did. But uh, I remember that when they traded for Joey Gallo, I was like, "How? I mean, it's a big name, which is what the Yankees do. But how does this really help? He's another guy who's he's another home runner, strikeout guy, right? Right." And and it kind of just builds off of their own um, ideologies when it comes to hitting is that they grab a lot of those guys and it works for them because of their system and the way that they must go about approach at the plate and how they are hitting. Because earlier, well, in August, they went on a 13-game winning streak followed by what now is a... I, I don't... They went on a four-game losing streak following that 13 game winning streak but it put them in the first wild card spot but yeah i do believe that the actions the acquisitions that they made at the deadline were enough to get the rest of the clubhouse kicked into gear that they were making a playoff push 
I think maybe in the clubhouse when the players saw that the general management was going after players and making those, you know, signings or, well, not signings, but those trades for Gallo, the trade for Anthony Rizzo that we didn't even mention, adding those two lefty bats into their lineup to create a diversity for an already righty stacked lineup. It was a message to the players that we're going for it. Why are we even here? We shouldn't be down at third or fourth in this division. We shouldn't be this many games back. We need to make the right moves, and we need to make a playoff push now. Oh, yeah, no. It's it's exactly like you're saying. It's also, I, I think, making moves like that, I think uh, when the I, I think, feel like if the Yankees were down morally, making a move like trading for Joey Gallo, trading for Anthony Rizzo says, we're the damn New York Yankees. I still, like the general managers, the management saying, I still have faith in this ball club. We're going to win. We're going to make the playoffs at the very least. Like that's, like I'm sure the players felt that, oh, they still have faith in us. We need to reward that faith. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was their thought process. And I think one thing that has definitely helped them is just players getting on hot streaks. Players like Stanton, who had a pretty bad season up until August where he goes on this incredible run and stanton (laughs) very known for going on home run streak or very hot periods of his season and very cold uh streaks of his season it's kind of something that he does aaron judge has been phenomenal i mean he's aaron judge he's been playing pretty decently garrett cole he's a cy young candidate uh he's a pretty good cy young candidate obviously they went out they purchased a guy like Cole, you expect him to be that type of player, and here he is helping them get a win every five days. Yeah, no, I, I think the biggest one of the bigger stories for the Yankees so far has been their batting, especially with how horrendous it was early season. Like they were, I think, the worst team in the league in leaving runners on base and scoring position, not turning in those runs. But they've had a second half, a post deadline revival of their offense. I think led by Aaron Judge, whose batting statistics, average OPS, are like significantly higher than pretty much anyone else on the team. Yeah, and I think Aaron Judge's case is so interesting because he's coming up on one of his contract years here, and whether or not the Yankees give it to him or not, he's got to perform to earn those contracts. And I don't, I don't think he's going to get some like groundbreaking yeah. contract. From the Yankees, but I don't believe that the Yankees would let him go. Yeah, there, there's no way. I mean, at this point, if he's not the face of their franchise, nobody is. I mean, maybe Garrett Cole, but he was, but he's not homegrown like Aaron Judge is. Like, it, like you would, you would want to keep Aaron Judge at any cost. I feel like, but also, I feel like the Yankees are going to be more shrewd than that. You know, mm-hmm. like they're gonna, right. they're going to want to see another year of this, another year, uh, one more year of elite production at least before they say, okay, we're ready to give you the big bucks, the long term contract. Yeah. And I don't even know what that contract would look like. He was a kind of a late bloomer in MLB in terms of like right. bringing up as a prospect. So I, it's going to be interesting to see what that deal looks like in the future. But moving from a team that had a great deadline and turn their season around. There's a team that had a terrible deadline, <laughs> and their season fell into the ground six feet under, some would say. It's not dead yet. It isn't they're dead not, yet. They're not no, dead yet. No, it's not yet. There is still the chance, and there is still the faith, and, and you can, you can <laughs> say whatever you want about the team and their chances, but one thing's for sure is that they collapsed. Oh, yeah. No, the Red Sox have fallen apart as of late. I think it's just it. W- I think they'll they're still going to be in good shape for October. But 
you, you do got to think with how hot they started the season and with how well they were doing, falling short here would just be like extremely painful. I think every single loss that we take right now is, is so pivotal <laughs> and extremely painful because we know that the team had such an amazing start, an amazing up until All-Star break. All-Star break happens, the team starts to deteriorate. And some of that is probably clubhouse. Some of that is fatigue. Some of that is sticky substance um, rules being changed. But really, everybody kind of knew. Well, not everybody, (laughs) but it was kind of known that the Red Sox were some surprise team. You know, they were proving people wrong the entire season because their roster was not that World Series winning roster. But... The problem is, is that it turns out the mm. pitching is not a World <laughs> Series bullpen or rotation. No, it's not. They've, I think the Red Sox pitching has just been dancing through the raindrops all year. And they, they've just kind of been taking the good pitching where they can get it. And, they, and in terms of shoring up the rotation at the deadline, they didn't do that much. I, I did. Well, li- they did zero. Yeah, they did zero. But I did. I will say, despite that, I did like the addition of Kyle Schwarber, who has been batting well so far for the. Kyle side. Schwarber yeah. is my favorite player at the moment, <laughs> just due to the fact about his approach at the plate. The guy walks so often; he gets on base, and he's the perfect two-hole hitter for us. He can hit for pop. He can get on base. He will walk. He won't swing out of the zone. In fact, he has one of the best statistics when it comes to swinging outside the zone percentages he does not go out there and fish all the time which is something that in today's modern day of baseball is something that we see very often almost too often i I will say kyle schwarber i think i agree there that kyle schwarber is kind of the perfect fit or kyle schwarber is a perfect fit with the red sox he's also a piece you really want to have later when the red sox do inevitably build off of the success they've had this season because you can't take a season like this and say, okay, we're still not ready for anything. We're still, like, you can't go into the next season with the expectation of, oh, we're going to be mediocre when you have a season like this. When a, when you're currently in a playoff spot and a playoff spot's a real possibility. So having Kyle Schwarber there, having that piece is going to be really vital for when they do build off the success and maybe bring in a big free agent or, you know, hopefully. They have to. For Red Sox fans, sanity, a uh, star ace, uh, a star pitcher. Well, you know, the return of Chris Sale was uh, pretty spectacular. Honestly, right. Chris Sale has been really good. I know that the most recent game against the Rays, he did not get the win, but still limited the Rays down to two runs. We did end up winning that game on Sale Day. I got to go to the stadium and see Sale live um, for his start against the Minnesota Twins. That was a fantastic game. What I would like to see from Sale is him being able to go deeper into games as we get further in through September, because if we're a wild card team, you better bet that he's on the bump for yeah. that wild card game and really this bullpen I can't trust anymore. <laughs> Everybody inside that bullpen aside from maybe a couple guys, one being Whitlock who was a mm. rule 5 um guy yeah. came out of nowhere. Alex Cora actually said in an interview that he found out uh he found Whitlock through an Instagram training video. <laughs> an Instagram an training Instagram. video. It's it's amazing. Like I mean the Red Sox I mean hey I, they're resourceful. They found. I mean, they found some guys. They've 
They've had their bullpen has not been great, but it's been enough to where they can sustain themselves this season. It's been enough up until now when the team is falling apart. Yeah. Our closer position like, is completely. Nobody knows who's closing the game anymore because originally it was Matt Barnes, but then here he comes after All Star break. He has a very rocky, um, rocky, rocky All Star appearance <laughs> where um, he he was put in by Kevin Cash and he didn't have a he didn't have a great game, not at all. He he let a few men on base and then got saved by a sliding catch from Jared Walsh. And then ever since All Star break, he has been a completely different pitcher. So, it's been an interesting thing to watch. The starting pitching isn't there. Chris Sale is back, but Chris Sale can't do everything for this team yeah. anymore. The offense is a great piece. Like, yeah. they're so good. But without a proper pitching staff, this team really isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah, and no. it's really disappointing to watch them as they go. Yeah. But we have a lot of those people on higher deals uh, that are um, club options. So, Garrett Richards... Martin Perez, Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be a free agent. Those are three pitchers that are off the ro- off the roster, off the payroll that right. we can spend on maybe getting a better player. Right. I think even if this isn't the year for the Red Sox, they've definitely set themselves up well for success. Like next year or two years from now, they with team options and all that, with how with how young some of their players are, with some of their buy low deals that they've made, they have set themselves up really well for success. Because while they've had some, while they've taken some risks, they haven't been enough to totally derail everything. Like even right. this collapse of the Red Sox, exactly, isn't unsalvageable. Like the absolutely Red Sox can not. Still I mean, we're still in the second place like, wild card spot. They have insurance, and that's extremely valuable, especially now, the rest of this season and down the line. And I think one of the things that I want to talk about last with the Red Sox, obviously they're my team, but. When they started this season, they were ranked the 20th spot in the prospect pipeline. Yeah. They were, you know, on the bottom tier of the organizational depth. But as of today, or as of the last update that they made for the prospect pipeline, they ranked number nine, increasing their spot 11 places just based off of what I presume to be some performances from the minor leaguers that have, a, you know, changed their ratings a bit from the scouts. And also having some trades that we've made and announced some players that we gained through like the Benintendi trade. Those players were announced. Others players to be named later. Our draft pick, we got a possibly the best player in the draft, Marcelo mm. Meyer, who's hitting he's hitting, I believe, somewhere around like three fifty in rookie ball, so he's having a very nice, um, easy transition from high school baseball into professional baseball Mm. nick york has been performing very well uh he's been getting um crazy amount of hits recently he had a great august he got promoted tristan costas the number one first base prospect in the entire major leagues so and he had a great olympics i don't know if anybody paid Mm. attention to the olympics but tristan costas was great for them and really i think that the future Besides the pitching, which is where we're going to need to put our money this season, is bright. Yeah, it's abs- it absolutely is. Um... And talking about a team, you know, that is built for the future, and they really are, mm. the Blue Jays have, obviously, as we mentioned, they have prospects that have been coming up. Obviously, their system is getting a little drained because they're getting into the major leagues, but... 
I actually envision their season to be a, quite a little bit different than how it has turned out. But the players that I thought were going to be the stars of the team did perform that way. Yeah, I, I think that is I think that's true. Vlad Guerrero Jr. has been become a bona fide MVP candidate, one of the be, one of the best players in the, one of the best players in the MLB. Certainly, I think a top two player in the AL. He has become the next face, the next great face of the Blue Jays. And I think it would certain I and while I feel like the clear cut MVP at this point is Shohei Otani, I feel like it is completely justifiable to vote for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Who was I have a question for you. Who was the last great face of the Blue Jays? Was it Donaldson? Was it Bautista? Yeah. Encarnacion? The last perhaps? great face of the I don't think I mean I guess Joey Bats. Yeah? yeah, Jose Bautista. Because like when you think franchise. of the Blue Jays and like epic Blue Jays moments, you think of Joey Bats, right? You do. I, I agree with you there. And I think having that franchise player is so important to them. And Vladdy Guerrero Jr. absolutely fits that bill. MVP candidate. Not my MVP that I had going into the season, but an absolute beast at the plate. Um, he's been performing so well. The pitching for the Blue Jays, though, is it's questionable. Yeah. They picked up Jose Barrios at the deadline. And let me tell you, the statistics on him since deadline have not been positive. They it's have, been, it, it, the move hasn't been kind to Jose Barrios. He's been pretty bad for them. And it's unfortunate because he's, such a, he's a star pitcher, you know. You expect good things out of him, and they expected good things out of him. Getting that key arm for their rotation, hoping for a playoff push. And... I'm not saying that they're completely out of it, yeah. but they have... They've got a lot of ground to make up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they've got a lot of ground to make up. I feel like Jose Barrios... I, well, Jose Barrios hasn't been great for them, and that's kind of blown up for them. I do feel like the biggest thing stifling the Blue Jays this year was just how competitive the AL East was. Because I, I will say, I think we all knew at the beginning of the year that the Rays and Yankees were going to be fighting for the lead in the division. But I don't think anyone envisioned the Red Sox being right there with them. And, right. And like reviving the form and overtaking the Blue Jays in that sense. So I think that with maybe, I, I feel like the Blue Jays are going to need another piece. Like maybe, uh, I think definitely so another too. arm. Yeah. I, I believe so too. But you have a star performances from Alex Manoa, who's from their system. Mm. You have one at one point was the number one ranked pitching prospect in the MLB, Nate Pearson who is injured, I believe. He's been mm. injured. He's been fighting injuries a lot. But if he comes back and, you know, performs to about three-fourths of what people expected from Nate Pearson, I mean, that's a huge spot for their rotation. So, you know, they got certain people that in the system, and we've been saying that for the entire season, We they have young players and they have talent that can translate to wins and success. But the thing is, is that right now... They are still kind of learning. And right. some players that don't get talked about enough, but are, you know, Teoscar Hernandez, he was an all-star. Mm. He's a great bat that they've had. The lineup for the Blue Jays has been very good. They've right. been pretty sharp. So, like, people like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has been fantastic for them in big spots. Um, they traded Rowdy Telez, but Rowdy Telez, he was kind of that guy that got a home run every once in a while. He's done something special for the brewers that we'll probably touch on uh from their things on the national league topic right but you know they got guys boba Bichette, kevin biggio have been performing okay yeah 
throughout the season. So I wouldn't count them as, you know, a non-contender at this point. But, but as you mentioned, yeah. they have a lot of ground cover. It's just not the year for them, which is unfortunate with how young and exciting that team is, but they're going to be back. I think it is yeah. fortunate for them because they're young and exciting because yeah. they have a bright future in front of them. Yeah. And another team that is very young, well, for the most part young yeah. and exciting, is the leaders of the American League Central, the Chicago White Sox. And the Sh- American League Central is a... Uh, a non-competitive division, to say the least. The White Sox lead the division with a record of 78-56. and 56. The next closest team is the Indians, who are 9.5 games back with a record of 67-64, yeah. and 64, just above 500. It's... We know that the Indians did trade away a lot of pieces, yeah. yet, hey, they got no hit mm. twice, and they're mm. still above 500. Yeah. So congratulations to them they're so kicking. far. They are breathing. They're breathing. They're in, kicking. They're in alive. Cleveland. They're afloat. I will say the AL Central really is just the White Sox world, and the rest of the teams are just living in it. I think. I, I think you were right about the White Sox in the sense that they could be real World Series contenders. But one thing that I do think discounts from them a little is their lack of competition, because as we know, they're in a really bad division. The only team uh, you just said the only team above five hundred in it is the in, are is Cleveland. So. They don't have the best competition most of the time. Their record against teams over 500 is 29 and 33, which doesn't bode well it's for them in the It's pretty concerning for them. Yeah. I mean, it is concerning. It absolutely is concerning. And if I'm like a White Sox fan, I do look at that. And it does, it definitely worries me a bit going into the postseason. But you're right about the league, the division not having any competition. So they're not facing over 500 teams all the time. Right. Like, like for a team like the Orioles, I saw that it was like, I think 24 and 67. I mean, they're awful. Don't get me wrong, but they're 24 and 67 against teams under 500. And they've, and because they're in a way tougher division with four teams, all having a winning record, it's uh, like, they have a much bigger sample size. So I think it's also fair to say the White Sox don't have as big a sample size as some other teams. Mm-hmm. when right. going against teams over 500 but 29 and 33 that still is a pretty uh nice chunk of games another fun statistic for the white Sox is that their away record is only 500 baseball 32 and 32 up until this point in the season as for their home record who is 46 and 24 which if i'm reading this right i think that is the best home record in the american league so kudos is, to them yeah. for that but you got to figure it out on the road. Yeah. I mean, in, they they I think they'll be okay through the first round of the playoffs. I think they can they definitely have the potential to reach the ALCS, but once they get to that point, they're going to need a few I feel like they're going to need a few things to break right to make the World Series. They definitely have the talent to go that so far. Much. The pitching's been great. The batting has been wonderful. There's a reason they lead this division by a country mile. It's just that they all they're going to need some of the things that have been kind of lurking in the background of their success to break right or else they're going to be an early exit. Right. And before talking about the things that are lurking in the background, I think we have to talk about the players who are at the forefront of this division leading team, which is their pitching staff of Carlos Rodon and Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn being a top contender for Cy Young this year. Right. Um, not, I did not expect that. <laughs> but both of those guys were all-stars. And then Lucas Giolito as well as another pitcher 
that is a starter that's really good. They went out and got Craig Kimbrough at the deadline to add to their bullpen with Liam Hendricks closing. And I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> Craig Kimbrell was good this season up until he wasn't pitching in the last inning of every single game. I think he something with Craig Kimbrell, he needs to be pitching in the ninth inning. Yeah. He's just, you, need, you need to have him exclusively as a closer or it's just not going to be the same. And I don't think Liam Hendricks is going to be, you yeah. know, a guy that wants to step down from that closing role. So right. it's it's he's interesting to see. Yeah, he's been good. He's yeah. been really good. But it's interesting seeing, you know, them compete, right? They compete for that spot. They have other bullpen arms that are really good that are just people that throw absolute flamethrowers into the box. And for their lineup, I mean, what can you say about it? I mean... You have some of the best names, best young names in baseball just going at it and just taking hacks every single day. You have other people, like a veteran guy in their lineup, like like Yasmani Grandal, mm. like Jose Abreu, who can kind he's, of lead this he's offense. He's still leading the league in RBIs, I think, right? In RBI, I think, right? Is he? I, I actually didn't know that Jose Abreu was leading the league in is. RBIs. But, I mean, once again, just those key people that are older members of that that batting lineup that can lead this team as captains going forward into the postseason. You know, Yasmani Grandal is one of the in- most interesting hitters in the major leagues. A guy who can have an on-base percentage in the 400s and a batting average in the low 200s is something yeah. that you don't see very often. But he does it, and he does it very well. And yeah. Eloy Jimenez came back. He had a pretty decent... Um, return to the major leagues um he's been batting decently well oh yeah like, he has been yeah it, it has it hasn't been it's been uh he's been pretty good for them so far he hasn't quite been like another spark they needed because he he is coming off a big injury but he it it, uh, it certainly has been good for the white Sox to have him back and we both know who is the face i think i think he's the face of this franchise mm. and the spark plug it's tim anderson yeah the guy who leads this chicago team to multiple victories just being clutch being that guy and also being that guy that isn't afraid to speak out when he needs to yeah like when when you think of the white Sox, you think of uh some like electric thing tim anderson did whether it was on or off the field or some or or some outstanding play he made or clutch hit Mm -hmm. like he he has been i think if he i don't know if he's the best player on the team but he's definitely the face of this franchise and a team that is led by a man like him and, and has captains can go far. And a team that won't be going far in this division is the Minnesota Twins. I don't <laughs> believe we really need to touch on the other teams. The yeah. Indians have their place. They don't. I don't feel like we need to discuss about the, the Indians. I mean, I do think it's pretty good. I do think it's fascinating that they are as fine, that they're fine despite being the uh, lowest spending team in baseball, I think. The Indians? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's And and for that matter, they do get to face the Tigers and the Royals and the Twins. And the that Twins... Is, that is also true. ...are at the bottom of the bucket in this division. A team that most people had, at least in their wild card I predictions. Had a, I had them as a wild card. I, I do believe that yeah. I had them somewhere up there as well. I'd have to listen back to the episode. Yeah. But, yeah, I believe the Twins were, were up there. And, man... What a disappointment they are this season. <laughs> yeah. I it's just I think everything that could have gone wrong for them just did. Like everything just fell apart. I mean, how many I mean, if their deadline is proof enough, uh, Jose Barrios is gone, Nelson Cruz is gone. 
they've just fallen apart completely in a division where it didn't seem like that was that realistic because you had two other terrible teams in it in the tie or going into the season what looked like two other terrible teams in it with the Tigers and Royals which the Royals had a hot start to this season back yeah. when we were doing the podcast uh, back in April the Royals were the story of the American League Central how was this team performing so well after having a team of not I mean nobodies I mean there was yeah. a team of nobodies with some kind some names with some vet, with some vets there from past runs but they were performing well and now they're just as bad as the Twins, if not worse, if you really looked at the statistics. But the Twins was a team that, you know, they have a guy who's fragile, but good, like Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton's a great player, but he's fragile. He gets injured. He's good at hitting. I really thought he was going to get dealt at the deadline. I thought maybe so, yeah. too, but I don't think a lot of teams want to trade for him because he's so injury-prone. I mean, yeah. He is absolutely glass. <laughs> and as well as Josh Donaldson, who's, I believe, is probably the captain of that team. He's, he's got to be the captain of that team. I can see him taking over a locker room and really giving mentoring for hitting, at least, to those guys in that lineup. And right. he's been okay. He's been having he's, a decent season. He's been solid, Josh Donaldson. But he's yeah. the only thing that's solid about their season. Right. Everything else has just fallen to the wayside. And I also can't imagine Josh Donaldson, or Byron Buxton for that matter, is going to be there much longer than the end of this season. Mm-hmm. I right. imagine they're definitely going to find a way to deal Byron Buxton, even if it's, if it's for like some middling return. And Josh Donaldson, I don't is he a free agent at the end of this year? Or? I wouldn't be able to tell you okay. right well, now. Well, either way, I think... Free agent or not, some teams are going to come calling about him. I, I think some team calling him or calling the Twins about him because he does not need. I don't think he needs to rot away his remaining seasons on an awful Twin squad. I mean, he might not want to re-sign with the Twins, but the Twins yeah. might really want him back. Yeah. Well, if if the Twins are gonna blow it up, I don't see why they would because he is an older player hitting well who would help keep you more afloat than not. I think so if they people, want to blow it up in tank, they right. might want to deal him. Also, they also signed Andrewton Simmons oh, in free yeah. agency. <laughs> I kind of forgot about him. Yeah, I mean, one of the best defensive uh, yeah. shortstops of the last decade. Uh, definitely up there, if not the best defensive shortstop in the last decade. I had mm. I got to see it firsthand when I went to the Red Sox-Twins game, and he stole some hits away from us. We still won by ten runs, but he stole some. Wow. He stole some hits away from us. It's, it's the small victories. It's the small. It's victory. the small victories for the Twins. I mean, hey, the Red Sox beat us by ten, but Simba took off some runs, took off some hits. So it could have been more. Who's who's laughing now, huh? And also at that game, I just want to mention that uh, I did get to watch Williams Ostadio take the mound, and I was so happy. <laughs> I would have. Oh God, I would have killed to see that. I would have I would have loved to see him take the mound. It in was person. interesting seeing the disparity between fans. Some people were cheering that La Tortuga was out there on the mound pitching and some people were like, What the hell is going on? <laughs> Why does this guy pitching right now? They could just I mean they could just enjoy it really. I like, think just, that's what just I just sit there and enjoy it. It's I was fun. loving it. It's good fun baseball. Just it's enjoy great. the fact that you've got a catcher on the mound. It's it's just wonderful. A catcher, a third base, yeah. it does it all. For La Tortuga, but the Twins, as we mentioned, and as you love to claim, (laughs) is take the W out of Twins because they don't deserve the win in their (laughs) name because they can't win a ball game right now. See, I said that they couldn't be the Twins if they didn't win a playoff game. They 
they're not even in the stratosphere of playoffs. Not not without a like some kind of godsend miracle. But yeah, no. The the, the twins I are approaching the tens moniker. And a division that has a lot more competitiveness and players or teams rather that do have that playoff chance is the AL West, the last division in the American League, a team that has a lot of playoff experience, some positive, some negative, is the Houston Astros who are leading the division with a record of 78 and 55. And the Athletics follow that being second in division with a record of 74 and 60 losses. They are 4.5 games back. The Mariners have 72 wins and 62 losses. They are 6.5 games back. But more interesting than that is um, that they are wildcard contenders. They're not really playing for division lead, of course. 4.5 games, that's way easy to you know, make up over right. the whole course of the month. But I think the first goal for them is to get into the wild card spot. So that's what they're going to be pushing for. And then you have the most interesting team in baseball, <laughs> the in my opinion, at least, mm-hmm. uh, the Los Angeles Angels, who have one of the best talents in Major League Baseball. They've had one of the best talents ever to play the game injured for the most of the season. So you have to take that into account. And they still have a losing record of 66 yeah. and 68 losses. I mean, I know Mike Trout's been hurt, but, like, come on. You, I mean, Shohei is most likely going to win AL MVP. I, I personally, I think at this point he's the clear-cut MVP candidate. But at the same time, even even with – like, I know Mike Trout's been hurt, but, like, come on. This is, <laughs> this is, this is waste at a catastrophic level. Like – I I think if you put Shohei on any other team in that division, they're leading. They could be leading the division. They're pro. They're in at least in contention for a wild card. And here the Angels are sub five hundred, with just all the expectations in the world blown. Well, if there's anybody that knows about you know wasting players' careers, it's the Mets fan exactly who knows about wasting. Yeah, exactly. This is this is Mets level waste. I'm I'm not afraid to say that. This is Mets-level wasting of talent from the Angels. And I'm glad to say that I went into the season with my MVP prediction being Shohei Otani. And I was very confident about Shohei Otani if he performed the way that he should, if he was able to pitch and if he was able to hit and he was able to go out there and do what he needs to do, he would have been MVP. And I had that going into our predictions episode. And I'm very proud to wear that on my sleeve. But it's interesting, we did talk about the... One of the worst teams in this division first, but I do want to go back and talk about the top team in this division, the Houston Astros, the Trashros, the Trashros making the most out of, you know, their season with Dusty Baker. Yeah. They've been surprised. They, I think they've been much better than I thought they would be at the begin- at the start of the season. Like I don't even think I had them making the playoffs. I had them winning the division. Yeah. You had the Athletics winning. I the had division. the Athletics winning the division with I think the Rays and Twins as wild cards, and leaving leaving the Astros just on the cusp. But I mean, here they are. I I, I think the biggest thing for the Bas- Astros has obviously been their batting. I think they as a team lead the league in batting average. I. They're towards the top in runs, I, I, and even and the pitching has improved too. I think they're, I want to say top five in ERA and team ERA. Yeah, they definitely got a lot of pieces um, for their for their ball club. You know, Correa leading the league in batting WAR, 
You know, they, mm. they have foundational pieces that have been in their franchise for a long time. Yuli Gurriel was very good at this season. Bregman's coming back off of injury, but has been decent for them and is that guy that has playoff experience. They lost George Springer, sure, but they have other people that have filled in the position that have, you know, been that clutch bat for them when they need it. Um, a guy like Jose Altuve is still there on the team, still making the most out of his season. Jordan Alvarez, another guy mm. that had a lot of potential and maybe hasn't lived up to exactly what people expected from Jordan Alvarez. He's but still been really good. Though. He's been exceptional. Yeah. Leads the team in OPS. He's uh, he, He's been one of their better bats. Uh, he's, I think, towards the top of the lineup in batting average. Leads the team in OPS with point eight seven seven. I think he's I just been, think he doesn't get talked enough, yeah. enough because a lot of people want to talk about the negatives of the Astros, yeah. which, in fairness, they should get a yeah. good amount of backlash. They deserve, they deserve backlash. They deserve criticism. But people don't really talk about Jordan Alvarez because he's not one of the people that you think of immediately when you think yeah. Astros. You think of... You think of Correa, you think of right. Altuve. I also you might think, think of Michael Brantley, who yeah. is another amazing hitter for them. Right. There's also the fact that I feel like there's a lot of up-and-coming young stars in the AL that Jordan Alvarez sometimes, when you think of those young stars, gets kind of put towards the back. Because you you think of your Shohei Otani, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Aaron Judge, I mean, and all of them. Uh, so the, Tim sta- Anderson. the stars of the league yeah, is the what st- you're mentioning? Well, yeah, behind those other younger... No, because those younger stars, like Shohei and Vlad Guerrero Jr., you don't hear about Jordan Alvarez as much. I'm not saying he's uh, statistically comparable. I'm just saying he has lived up... He has lived up to at least, like, young star potential. And I think he is... He's definitely got more room to grow, but I do think he can get there. Right, and, and this... It's interesting to see the Astros be as successful as they are. We talked about the lineup, but we didn't talk about the pitching staff. Justin Verlander, he's been out the entire season. Garrett Cole, he doesn't exist on this team anymore. (laughs) He doesn't exist. He he said, let me be clear, and vanished. He went to New York. He fled to, to the Yankees. So they don't have those arms anymore. They have Lance McCullers Jr. He's back. Zach Grinke, he's on that mound again. Or Kitty's there. Uh, I don't. I can't think of any other players off the top of my head. Do you have any more pitchers for the team that have been standing out? Uh, Framber Valdez has been all right. He's getting two point nine one ERA, nine and four. Uh, uh, Jose Arquiti, yeah, you mentioned him. He's got a point nine five seven WHIP, which is incredible. I I will say, like the pitching hasn't always been there for the Astros this season. But I think it's definitely come around lately. Like they've they've been rounding out to form. I think to really overtake the A's here for the division lead. The Jake Odorizzi been... was a guy that they got right. before the season even started, or maybe it was actually just getting underway when they got Jake Odorizzi. He hasn't been the guy for them, but I mean he's been a good like fourth, fifth rotational guy to get a win every once in a while. Hmm. The bullpen, they've always had an interesting bullpen. I feel, and they made acquisitions at the deadline to to pump up that bullpen that was already pretty decent i just don't know a lot of their names they're not like household um names that you'd have in your bullpen yeah they acquired kendall graveman from the seattle mariners a rare in division trade but he he was pretty solid with he was pretty decent pretty good with the mariners and he's come over now and i don't think he's been quite the same pitcher but he hasn't been awful he's been all right he's been pretty good uh, he hasn't quite been the same. Uh, other than that, I agree most of their pitchers aren't household names, but they have been finding guys, especially lately, to get the job done and keep them 
in good shape for the playoffs. Yeah, and their clothes are still Ryan Presley, and they got yeah. Blake Taylor. He's a great lefty. He's great left high on arm that I, you know, I've been watching for a good bit here now. And I think they have a really good shot. Obviously, I don't think you can ever count out the Astros of their at least this era of the Astros of making it to the World Series. Right. They have a good track record of making it there, whether it was legitimate, legitimate or, not. or not. Yeah. So you can't really say much more about them besides. They still got it. Yeah, they still ha- they still got it. Much to the rest of the league and fan base's chagrin, they still have it. They're prob. I feel like I th- I feel like they are a safe bet to win the division at this point, especially with how uh, especially compared to the Astros, the Athletics aren't as talented. And the Athletics so. are not on the biggest hot streak. They're four and six in their last ten games. So that's something to really take into account. They're not doing too hot of recent. Obviously facing the Yankees in one of those series and when the Yankees were on their hot streak. So take that into account too. But the Athletics, man, they're they're good. They're a good team. They're a team that always seems to make it back to the playoffs, whether it's a wild card spot or not. Recently, of course, being that wild card spot, you know the ideologies that the Athletics are built on. And that's to be contenders every single year. There's no real rebuild period for them. They're they're a machine that just kind of keeps on running. They're not the fancy. It's it's like it's like having an old car that's really reliable. Like they're not the fanciest, and they don't have all these cool new things that you want that you see your maybe your neighbor has. But mm-hmm. they they get the job done. They're always reliable. I they they are a little less. They are a little more comparatively shorthanded than last year or even the year before that. But at the same, but they still, but again, they're, I'd say they're like the Rays in that they just keep finding pieces to keep the machine running. Right. Even and, if it's not as successful. You know, you have guys like Matt Olson who's having a wonderful season for them. They traded for Starling Marte, but what they gave away is one of their best young pitchers, Jose, mm. Jesus Lozardo. And, you know, he's, I don't know what he's done for Miami, actually. I haven't looked at the statistics, but. I I liked Lazardo. I yeah. think he was a great piece I, for them. Yeah, I remember seeing that trade to the Marlins. And I was like, "What are they doing?" I mean, like, they were trying to get a center fielder. Well, sure, but it's like I I think that price was too steep. Like, yes, that price, I I would not have done that. I thought the price was much too steep. Speaking of it's, the center fielder position for the Athletics, it's important to note that their center fielder that they had starting the season, Ramon Laureano, did get. Uh, an 80 game suspension for testing positive for peds so he's not with the team at the current moment right center fielder i I will say in their defense center fielder did become an urgent need for them almost immediately like or very suddenly but at the same time even in that state i would not have i would not have been willing to give up jesus lazardo yeah i mean they didn't i feel like the the athletics didn't do much this offseason to really, you know, bolster their chances or anything. They got Elvis Andrews. That was an acquisition. It's like, okay, you got Elvis Andrews. What are you going to do with Elvis Andrews? He's not going to be an impact player that's going to win you games. Jed Lowry is having a decent season. Right. Decent season. Mm-hmm. But I feel like rotation has always been something that they focused on. Mm-hmm. Getting good pitchers, whether or not it's... A household name once again or not they just like to build up these rotations that kind of average around the same area every single yeah. pitcher can win a game if they need to they it's, don't really have it's like, fascinating they're all about as good as each other exactly if that makes sense like 
There are none of them has an ERA below above four, but not none has an ERA below three either. Like they're like all of their ERAs are between their starting pitchers are between three and four. All of their whips except for Chris Bassett are one point two or above, but no further. It's it's very with Chris Bassett having a one point oh one point oh four six whip. It's interesting just how uniform the Athletics are. Like how it's. They're, in the sense that they are a well-oiled machine, it's like they are they are a mach- they are like emphasis on the machine because they just kind of like move. And they're the, just they're uh, just right. Yeah, and a big gear in the machine is their bullpen. Their bullpen right. is pretty fantastic. They got Louis Lou Trevino, who's a very decent arm, a very great arm, but somebody that doesn't get talked off talked about enough. Yeah. I mean, Petit has been Ismero good. Petit, eight and one point nine ninety whip. He's been, uh, he's just been pretty great so far, even in his age. Sergio Romo, yeah. he took his pants off on <laughs> in the, on a major yeah. league field, and he's done very well. He's fine. He's, he's been doing. I mean, yeah. for his age as well, Sergio yeah. Romo. And just... that's the other thing about the uh, A's bullpen is they're all over, they're all the youngest player of their bullpen is or in their, uh, or in their better the better part of their bullpen is a uh, 29 uh petite romo guerra and jake diekman are all in their 30s yeah diekman is another great left pe- left handed pitcher that has been really helpful to them this season uh, he's a guy that kind of he's always around jake diekman yeah he's he's a great lefty piece to grab and and put in your bullpen they made sure that he's sticking around they're, the Athletics are a team to watch. They're a team that are absolutely contenders for the wild card spot, only being two games out of the wild card spot um, after the Red Sox. So, I mean, I don't want them to take that spot. <laughs> they I can. I mean, they've also, to be fair, they've also been cold recently. It's the same as the Red Sox. I, won't, I don't say it's not a collapse like the Red Sox have had from when they were like far and away leading the division to now their third. But uh, the A- the A's haven't collapsed. They've just been cold recently. I feel like that last wild card spot is just between whichever of those two teams heats up first. Whichever one of those two teams wakes up first. I feel like it'll be the Red Sox just because they have too much. They, because their hitting talent is too great for them to fall out of a playoff spot despite doing so well earlier in the year. But I agree that the A's are absolutely a team to watch. Especially in a good in a division that's a good bit weaker. They're going to have less competition going down the road, I mean, aside from the Astros. There is a team that competes with the Athletics. The last team that we're going to be discussing, and the last topic probably that we're going to be discussing Mm. this episode, the Seattle Mariners, who I had fourth in this division because it wasn't their year, and their future looked bright, but I knew they had some pieces that were going to be decent for them. I didn't think they were going to be this good. I think yeah, I agree. They're a year ahead of schedule. I think they. I I feel like I felt similarly, if not a little more bleak, on the Mariners' future, because of the uh, disheartening statements from management. But uh, I, I will say that the talent uh, coming up was certainly there, and I feel like uh, they are a year ahead of schedule in that sense. Like I was maybe expecting this. Like they're not gonna. I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs, but they're probably gonna finish above five hundred. So it's, I mean, so there's it's, a great chance yeah. they're already ten games above like, 500 yeah. at the moment. I think this is a season to build on, on an off season to build for the Mariners with the uh, success. I think coming a year early. 
I think they definitely got some more revenue this year, which is important to their <laughs> ball club because they love talking about how they're cheap and how yeah. they want to continue to make money. And that's all they try to do yeah. is make money. But then that's the thing. Are they going to build or do they just feel content like this? Like, oh, you know, we're fine. Like, it, we're we're playing like over 500 ball. Well, I don't even know how much money they really have to that's spend. True. I mean, they have Jared Kalenic, who has come up this season, but he didn't do good. He yeah. didn't perform like people thought Jared Kalenic was going to do. Even still, the, the Mariners won the that trade. They, they still, won, they won, still the won the Robinson Cano trade because Robinson Cano has just been a mess for the Mets. But, do you not call yeah. it the Edwin Diaz? Edwin Diaz trade, trade anymore? No, I mean, I don't. I don't. He's the one who's been playing. Edwin. Well, sure, but we don't have to talk about how he's been playing. Well, we will discuss how he's been playing in next <laughs> yeah. episode of the podcast. But they he's just one... so hot and cold. But anyway, one more piece for the Mariners here. We do want to discuss the team as a whole. Some players that have been good for them so far. Um, Abraham Toro. He's a mm. great guy. He's been in the clutch. He's been performing. He's been giving them hit after hit when they need it. I think I think the it's funny with the considering the Mariners' history, but uh, I think yeah, clutch hitting has been helping them out recently. They've been rounding back to form. They're forty and twenty nine at home, which I don't think I would have pegged them for that at the beginning of the year. They have been they've been remarkable. They have been remarkably solid, which is not what I was expecting. I think you've got like I, I think Jared Kalenic as funny as to me as funny to me as it is as a Mets fan that he's not doing that great I I think he will eventually round out to form maybe they maybe they brought him up when he wasn't all the way cooked you know so maybe they got to send him back down a bit and give him a little more time to mellow and I think he'll come up and be a nice piece for them uh I think the hit the hitting has been great the hitting has in the in the lineup well no the hitting in the lineup has been not there's a couple names clutch hitting the clutch hitting and the depth from the Mariners has right. been standout. The start, the starting nine has been uh, dancing through the raindrops, to say the least. It's it's there's a couple names that stick out to me when I think about good batters in their lineup. Ty France is a guy that can hit for average and get on base and get into scoring positions for the team. JP Crawford. At some point in the season, I saw many people on Twitter say J.P. Crawford is in competition for one of the best shortstops in the league. Yeah. I will, Maybe that's cooled down now. That's a bit of a hot take yeah. that they had early on, but J.P. Crawford's been pretty decent for them this season. He's been solid. He's He's been solid. He's hitting well. He's hitting two sixty three. Uh, in terms of uh, In terms of his other production, he has cooled off, but... Yeah, no, he's definitely not in the conversation for best shortstop in the league. And their their captain of the team, I Solid have to presume, is. a veteran lineup man, uh, person in the lineup is Kyle Seager, which, if you don't remember, the last president of baseball operations said that he wasn't going to be on the team. So Kyle Seager performing is showing his showing him up. Yeah, proving him wrong. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle Seager, I feel like, is at this point a guy you want to root for. like Or just a team in general, I think the Mariners are a team you want to root for. Fun team. I mean, yeah. it's an unexpected season from them, and there's a lot of unexpected turns that have happened this season, but the American League is definitely competitive. 
It's definitely going to be something you want to keep your eyes on this September. It's going to come down to the wire. I feel like it, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of moving pieces with the wild card race in the AL East and the divisional race in the AL West. I feel like both of those things are going to come down to the wire. I still think the Astros are going to come out on top, and the Red Sox will have that final wild card spot. But uh, it is interesting to keep an eye on. Part of me wants to sit here and and just say the Red Sox aren't going to make it for my sanity so I can feel relieved when they already don't make it. But I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say... You can at least be right. I I can at least be right when it happens. But I'm going to pull for them. You know, it would be painful if we got to the wild card game and we lost to the Yankees. We would never... We wouldn't hear the end of it for a while. But I'm going to pull for them to make that... To make the wild card spot and and keep pushing forward. I think the Astros still take the AL West. White Sox are going to absolutely take the Central. Nobody's catching right. those guys. Not without Whether they produce in the postseason, we'll have to save that for another episode. Yeah. The Rays will win the American League and the Yankees will take the... Well, yeah, the Yankees will take the first wild card spot. I think the division as it stands is very well could be how it ends, yeah. but... You're right. There are so many moving parts. The Red Sox declined. They have had nine positive COVID tests for players. Yeah. They've been on a drought. But, hey, with a broken roster, they won two games. Hopefully, they build momentum. Hopefully, they keep winning. Right. And I'm going to keep cheering for them. The Yankees are on a little bit of losing streak. If they go cold, you if know? They go, if, they could, if they go cold, anything could happen. Like, if they go cold and the athletics go hot, and uh, the Yankees end up falling out of favor, I think that'd be pretty funny. I think but that I don't would see be the best case scenario in the right. league for every single fan <laughs> of any team besides Yankee fans. Exactly. For everybody, it's just best if the Yankees lose. And I think I hope they hear this. You right. heard it here first, Yankee fans. Nathan Landon of the Two Scene Podcast and our resident Mets fan does not want to see you succeed. I do not know. And that's how we're going to really round out this episode. So I want to <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of the Two Scene Podcast. We're happy to be back. We're happy to be giving our takes on baseball. The next episode will be sometime next week. Uh, we won't be doing the same schedule. We'll be trying our best to bring out as many episodes as we can. And we'll keep notifying when we upload new episodes on our Twitter at the Two Scene Pod on Twitter, of course, and as well as pre- promoting our podcast on our personal accounts for me at tyler underscore underscore foy and for nate lannon underscore nate and we really really look forward to talking about baseball this september we're happy to be back and once again one last thank you for listening to this episode of the two scene podcast <laughs>